0: Hey, everybody. How's it going? Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I've got a great stream with a great guest that I think you're really going to enjoy. So I'm sure that many of you saw kind of the madness in France last week. Uh, Big riots going on there. Lots of fire, a good bit of violence. A lot of talk about civil war in many cases. Now, some of that has calmed down, and that's one of the reasons it's nice to do these streams a little later, not always have to be on top of the news cycle. We can take a little bit of a zoomed out view, a little bit of a better take and bring you uh, hopefully a a little bit of insight into what actually happened. What are the tensions? What's the story behind this? And joining me today to talk about that is Morgoth. Hello again. Thanks for having me back on, Aaron. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, sir. So I think a lot of people look at France and uh, I know you said you were in France for a little bit. I actually got to visit for the first time. Uh, last year, Uh, not not only spent a day or two there. So I didn't I didn't uh, really get to know the place very well. But I I know a lot of people look at France and they say, Oh, another riot. That's what the French do, right? It's Tuesday, uh, you know, Americans fire off fireworks, uh, you know, the French riot, this is just how it is. Uh, Is this just another bit of civil unrest from the French? Or does this this riot feel different to you? Um, Well, uh,
1: uh, when I was in um, Belgium in 2005, there was something similar uh, when Sarkozy was president. And I I think I would separate because the French do riot a lot. But I would separate that because this isn't this isn't really overtly political. I think there's there's people on all sides want to like sort of hammer it into a, a political narrative. Whether on the the in France it would be the nationalists, or in the wider kind of neoliberal Anglo they want their own agenda put into there, a sort of make it a sort of George Floyd. But I think down the reality of it is uh, down down on the like on the on the ground level in France. Is that they've got these huge uh, populations, which they're having a very, very difficult time uh, living with and integrating with. And uh, so, 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 what happens is, I mean, what in just the, the the specifics were, a seventeen-year-old called Nahal M was uh, pulled over. Now, you have to be eighteen to drive a car in France, so he shouldn't have been driving a car. And then, depending on your interpretation he he was shot at any rate so some will say it was uh, another police brutality other people are saying but he clearly tried to get away in a, in a car which he shouldn't have been driving and he had a complete disregard for the police the safety of the police so it's it's one of those things where it becomes highly political immediately but then i think the the backdrop to the the riots themselves or if you've got i've I've heard the quote that there was a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand rioters on the streets of france um by a former security by pierre Bruchard, who was a former security chief in france um and how that works will be the social media apps it used to be on blackberry now it'll be whatsapp or whatever whatever they're using in france facebook or whatever um, and then it will be within that demographic who then go out and uh, go crazy. And and then it, it catches on in other city centres across uh, France. I mean, one thing I would say is that it looks really terrible, it is, but France is very... Paris dominates France in a way that it tends not to be in other in other countries. So, it, it, like, if, it, if you were in the, the, the rural... Most of the people are going to be in rural France um, and it wouldn't be too bad there. But if you have a look at the demographics of France, for example, in the cities, you'll see these uh, huge spikes like you do everywhere. But in in France, Paris is particularly massive. And in the the French context, this is important because basically the the French just shipped in these populations from North Africa and then housed them in these ghettos, which they call the banalues. Obviously, my French is the best, but that, that's that's what they did. And so, when there's a spark, it's 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 a Tinder, it's a Tinder box. And when you get the spark, it um it goes up and it goes up very very quickly, as we saw.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting. So I mean, obviously, I don't want to spend a lot of time rehashing the the kind of the shooting itself. I mean, if you want to, you can actually watch the video online. It's it's not particularly gruesome because it's only from. kind of outside the car so you don't really see anything so uh, you know people can kind of decide for themselves whether or not they want to watch that i don't want to show it here on youtube because i'm just not sure about kind of how they're handling that but you can see the police officer he's got the gun drawn you know uh uh, up to the car and then the car obviously starts pulling away while uh, the police officer is still trying to talk to the driver uh it is obviously they're they're kind of heading towards the police a bit um but then the gun just discharges uh, again, uh, you can kind of draw your own conclusions there. The, either way, obviously, none of this justifies burning down. Uh, you know, I saw some of the statistics: a uh, you know, thousand buildings, six thousand cars, uh, j- just a, a mass of looting, rioting. Uh, you know, and I think the thing that kind of caught a lot of people's eye uh, initially was just kind of the level of weaponry that was brought to a lot of this. Uh, you know, AK-47 spraying bullets, in in a country that's supposed to have, you know, of course, complete gun control, basically. Ah uh, RPG fired off somewhere. Uh, I think it, people were surprised about how kind of how quickly uh, that tension exploded and became something that looked uh, more akin to to you know building to building warfare than necessarily uh, just some people marching uh, holding up signs, that kind of thing,
1: yeah, very quickly and and it it's kind of did look similar to um to the George Floyd, the summer of Floyd is, is, is what I, I like. But I, d- I don't think it had the institutional backing. It didn't have these mega corporations coming out. And I, th- I think this is actually something which is different in France. It's, it's kind of like my own take on it. But when we, if you take a step back and you look at um, France, um, France has always been a bit more aloof and sealed off from the wider kind of uh, American project, you know, it was, it was, it, had, it was outside of NATO. I think it still may be actually, but even, even into the nineties, there was policies in place in France to kind of protect native French culture and food and um, employment and, and gen- just the, the generally the, the French way of life specifically against Americanization, and this is why the Disneyland Paris was seen as this massive defeat by by people in France. And this has all been chipped away at um, over time. But what what I think's interesting when you get something like this is that in in many ways France has be has had to deal with the mass immigration and the multiculturalism um, on its own terms and kind of a little bit separated from. So, so it, for example, um, in the summer of Floyd, like immediately, people in Britain and England started pulling down statues and and doing all of this, and, and they did it in Holland as well. <clears throat> uh, it's also the case that in France, you'll have a much lower level of people who are um, watching English-speaking news stations and things like this. And I think what what's that what that's resulted in is that uh, there's. France struggles with a wider um, sort of meta-narrative for the multiculturalism, or, or it, it's it's sort of centred within itself. So it, it has its own logic, which is different from, from the rest of the Anglosphere, let's say, um, or, or to the other European countries who who are much more used to speaking or watching things in English. And so France is doing things on on its own terms, and that means that when um, something like this goes up, that they're, do- they're doing kind of multiculturalism, but, but the hard way, where the- this- the- there's not really a way for them to smooth off the rough edges and do all of this kind of spin, um, because-, because of the nature of the French constitution and the, the French Republic and the- just the way it is. So you, when when it goes up in France, you tend you tend to get it raw. Uh, you t- you tend to see it exactly for what it is, without all this spin, pain, like uh, spin doctors and PR and and sort of specially edited news clips. So in France, you'll get it raw and unfiltered and uncut. What what the actual reality is.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting that uh, France has really, in some ways, kind of rejected multiculturalism. They've they've really attempted to have kind of this very specific form of assimilation. Obviously, uh, you know, some of the pieces of uh, France uh, and their history kind of make this an interesting approach. Uh, Obviously not not a fan of public religion, and so attempting to kind of ban religious symbols, including, of course, uh, Islamic symbols in public. Uh, the banning of as i understand it like the collection of uh demographic information is basically is basically banned they're not allowed to uh ask the the different residents about their demographic information they don't keep those kind of statistics and you don't so you don't kind of have this uh dialectic about uh about race kind of the same way you might have in a place like the united states which you know in theory is supposed to unify them is supposed to 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 kind of turn these people into Frenchmen because there is no distinction but like you said what happens instead is it feels like there's this kind of bubbling underneath uh, you're you're not directly uh, talking about it you're not uh, you don't have those kind of narratives circulating through the media on a constant basis and so when everything hits the fan it hits it pretty forcefully I mean uh, I guess we before we get too deep into that though what are all these people doing in France? I mean, we understand that there has been a mass migration. We understand that uh there's there's economics uh, involved, but a lot of the people who are kind of talking over there will say, "Oh well, uh, you know, this is revenge for Algeria. this is the you know where you colonized us and we're colonizing you now. What's kind of the relationship between France and North Africa? Well, um, basically, the French had an
1: empire, just like many European countries did. Theirs was mainly theirs was in Whether well, they had parts of Canada originally as well, and America even. But mainly the French were um, busy in Africa and North Africa, which is what, what this uh, is related to. And and of course, when you actually dig in a little bit, a a quick search on Wikipedia will will reveal that the reason why the French invaded and occupied North Africa to begin with was because they wanted to snuff out the Barbary pirate problem, which was plaguing the Mediterranean for a long, long time. And so they finally decided we've had the the French occupation of uh, North Africa wasn't initially this kind of well we're going to create an empire it was a more of a consolidation of power across the mediterranean so that if on the north african coast which which countries like spain have been doing for a long time of course throughout history when europe was strong they essentially colonized north africa and controlled its ports more as a way to protect the the the, the, the mediterranean coastlines of of uh, europe um, because they the Barbary pirates were just carrying off Europeans willy-nilly of course this is inconvenient for the the, the narrative that we get today because then it becomes well they were just uh, out for to plunder resources and um rip them all off and so you then get into this really painful and complicated relationship that the French ended up having with North Africa and Algeria in particular. Um, and it's made even more complicated because of the endless revolutions and and wars and the horse trading that had to go on. And so eventually, the the French left. Uh, w- the The age of empires was over essentially, and the French tried to leave um, in 1962. And this is where you come into the problem of the, the the weird nature of the French constitution, because a lot of the people in not all of them. Um, they had a struggle with the Algerian nationalists. But there was a lot of people in there who were more sympathetic, like Safari Jews and many of the, the Arabs who had been on the side of the French regime. So the, for a while, the, there was this more or less free movement between the two countries. And the essentially, the French were giving their client groups uh, rights of passage into France. But it all gets very bureaucratic and very sort of messy until eventually you end up with hundreds of thousands or millions of people have actually moved into france itself and and once there uh, you know there's a lot of hypocrisy there's none of this makes sense because they're trying to do their best with a terrible system that they had which was the french uh liberalism where everybody is a citizen and they they give some, but they still managed to give some groups a pass, or they'd still have to give um, special dispensations for political expediency to this or that group to allow them into France. So the, there was all of these loopholes. But in theory, it was because everybody was just a citizen of France, even if they were in North Africa. Another problem they had, of course, would be generations of ethnic French people would also live or been living on all their lives on the North African uh, continent, on in North Africa, on the African continent, and they needed to come back to France, so they needed to be given French citizenship back, essentially. But then, again, you get into this problem how do we, if everybody's just a citizen, then how do we actually distinguish without breaking the rules here? So there's all of these, all of this chaos um, ensued, and this is kind of where how you end up with so many people from that part of the world in, in France itself.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but uh, the first war America had after, uh, obviously, the Revolutionary War uh, was against the Barbary pirates, uh, was, was going over there and uh, and uh, creating a navy so they could fight them off after they were press-ganging all these uh, Americans who were also in, in the waters over there. Uh, yeah, it's it's just a quick point on the side, is that in,
1: in during the 1800s, sort of the Victorian era, it's the, like our more Eurocentric view of these things would be that Europe from Napoleon, um, you have also had a couple of wars here and there with Prussia, with the Germany forming the Crimea war. But by and large, it's it's seen as being this long era of peace, this long summer of peace. Which, which is, except for a few wars here and there, is kind of true, and it was all obviously going to end with World War One. But what you do notice is that out on the periphery, um, you, all of these European powers were consolidating power um, and, and sealing the borders. and So they were very active outside of Europe itself, and the theatre in North Africa would be a good example of that, I'd say.
0: So, like you said, one of the... Sorry, there's very loud outside there for a moment. Uh, So one of the uh, problems that they're really facing is kind of the approach to this, because what you have is a large group of people who are now inside of France who explicitly do not want to... of convert to the french way of life we talk a lot about the idea of multiculturalism and one of the things that many people on the right especially in america say is well you can really take on as many immigrants as you want as long as they assimilate right that's that's the big thing as long as the the cultural assimilation but what we're seeing in france is that specifically these people do not want to culturally assimilate they don't want to be french they don't want to give up their uh, ethnic or religious identities they're kind of anti-liberal in kind of the oldest style that they do not want to be culturally absorbed. And because of that, there's a a myriad of different problems that come about. But the first one is obviously this tension that is always existing when it comes to the police. I mean, one of the reasons that the police are so jumpy and one of the reasons they feel the latitude to just kind of stop anybody and shoot if they think it's necessary is because of the amount of terrorism in France, right? Recently, we just had a Syrian immigrant uh, st- stab four babies in a park uh, th- there's an understandable reason why there's this constant tension and why the police feel and, and have been given the latitude to take these actions the, their concern is not unfounded
1: yes some of the some of the worst terrorist atrocities in europe i would say most of them have taken place in france in in the last 20 or so years um the, the 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 worst one was the the, the theater uh the, the 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 it came out later that the French security uh, source I can't remember what the theater was actually called now it begins with a B maybe somebody in the chat knows but it turned out that there was all kinds of things went on in uh, it was like a hostage situation that lasted for 18 hours or something but there were things that went on and um, in there um, uh, which I'm not going to get into but it was a lot. It was a bit more gruesome than just a, a situation like that. And the, these are the. It, it was. It was actually truly something uh, barbaric and sadistic. But the the what this is 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 like the sort of the legacy of France, where France is in this almost permanent state of emergency and terror, dealing with all of these people that they've got. I mean, I, I was. I remember. Um, I mean, of course, uh, another element to this is is like. France also has a, a very much burgeoning uh, and popular and powerful nationalist bloc, which has risen largely in opposition to this. I was in—I um, was sitting in a Belgian cafe in 2002 when Le Pen senior um, almost won the French election. But then you get into the rigged game with the, the French political system, where all of the other parties will close ranks against. was then the national front um and le pen unlike marine le pen um john marie le pen was pretty much just an out and out fascist like if you look at his wikipedia page he was very much of the old school uh france uh sort of nationalist scene of, of like the 1930s and unapologetically so and he i think he's still alive but it was strange at the time because it was seen as it, it wasn't expected it was it was it was I, I, I don't think the establishment had the safeguards in place at that point um but ever since then it's been this this struggle session where the national mm-hmm. front are, are constantly watering down their platform and their policies in order to appeal to the center um, but the 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 system closes ranks and they're kept out of power for year after year after year. And the strangely though, in the last election last year, you had uh, Zumua, who was this sort of Parisian uh, intellectual, who who actually flanked them from the right. He he he, he was more right wing than the National Front was. Um, and split the vote. So, so they, they got they got kept out again. And what this means, of course, is that you have a, a, just a pure globalist stuck in the centre, a neoliberal like uh, Macron, who is constantly fending off the, the, a populist sentiment because of the ca- increasing chaos of France. Uh, the, I mean, it beggars believe they had 40,000 uh, people Police on the streets over over the last week or so, uh, you saw like armored vehicles and everything, and it's 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 a thoroughly depressing situation. That there's there's the reason why I brought up the nationalist insurgency is because there is a huge amount of uh, will in the country to get rid of it, but it's blocked by higher powers.
0: So speaking of Macron, it's really interesting, I guess, how different people have reacted to this. Obviously, he was. Uh kind of laughable at the beginning of this he blamed it on uh video games uh he said that that was the problem uh he then went to like an elton john concert in the middle of these riots so there's there's certainly uh the the let them eat cake but you can think of the same thing when he comes to the the american riots and all of in the pandemic and kind of everything that happened there all these different Gavin, gavin newsom and other uh politicians kind of actively just partying while everyone else was locked down or watching kind of their businesses burn. Uh, but it's this in constant insistence on uh, it has to be something else, right? It has to be about uh, he, he blamed bad parenting skills. He blamed uh, video games, uh, starting to see uh, articles coming out even from, uh, you know, outlets that are theoretically trying to pretend to be right wing. Talking about how these are bread riots. Uh, Just just doing anything to avoid talking about where this conflict actually comes from, where this tension is actually generated.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've actually got a couple of uh, quotes by Macron. In 2017, um, President Emmanuel Macron described France's colonization of Algeria as a crime against humanity. He also said, it's truly barbarous. And it's part of a past that we need to confront by apologizing to those against whom we committed these acts. Polls following his remarks reflected a decrease in his support. And then in January 2021, when he was getting close out of an election, it's worth putting in, Macron stated there would be no repentance, no apologies for the French colonisation of Algeria. So it was pretty much just the exact opposite. Colonial abuses or French involvement during the Algerian independence war, instead efforts would be devoted to reconciliation. And and what you see here is that, um, I think that, that that this is how they're going to start and sort of hammer France, where well, they've already begun. But you'll notice that uh, across Europe, there's always a way, there's always a kind of... Um, Excuse to side with the other. Let's just put it that way against the Europeans, then against the European nations. I mean, in in Britain, it's an obvious one. We had like the biggest empire of them all. So then it's like you you see this is, is what you touched on before. Is that what this instills in the immigrant population? Is a is a sort of sense of that? Well, we want revenge, and everything can be justified because you went there. Um, now we are here. I mean, even Ireland, who never had any foreign colonies whatsoever, they get their own sort of version of this, which is that well, you've always been a nation of of emigrants. You've went and you went to Australia, you went to America, and your millions. Um, so, therefore, how can you, like, complain about other people coming into your, <laughs> your, your country? Um, but what I, what I really take issue with is, is this sort of, th- this sophistry where you went there and now we are here. Because that's been, that's been dripped into the migrant population. They, they may feel aggrieved, but it's Western power centers and media, especially... Uh, in America, I would say, who who like to do this, who like to play this game. And, and what always gets me is that a lot of the time with the sort of progressive liberals in, in the Anglosphere, um, you're dealing with the most materialistic, the most atheistic people that's ever lived. And yet there's still, they'll talk in terms of karma. Well, we shouldn't, there's this kind of karmic force at play in the universe which means that because you uh, colonized this country and now they are coming back, that it, it, it's it's karma, it's retribution, and it, it, it like with some sort of implied. Cosmic justice at play, which which is which is sick because you know they don't believe in any of this. You know they don't believe in religion. They don't believe in metaphysical forces or anything of the kind. Yet all of a sudden they do. All of a sudden, when these atrocities are committed on the streets of France or whatever, you see it on Twitter where they're coming out and they're saying, "Well, this is it's coming full circle." They they're essentially um, siding with the people doing it.
0: Yeah, it's it's fascinating that all these European countries are simultaneously propositional nations that have no native population, but also all of them have a thousand years of blood guilt for being colonial powers simultaneously. You you kind of have to pick one or the other, but it seems, I guess, that you don't. The only interest is really in attacking and, and whatever narrative is close to hand uh, seems to be just fine. Uh, but I guess the, the the question becomes then, you know, when you're looking at these, uh, you can you can talk about economic disparity. You can talk about, uh, you know, obviously many of these uh, neighborhoods are not great. I actually learned I didn't really know this, that uh, in, in France, the, the the ghettos are kind of the suburbs, like the, it's it's the outside ring of the city, the, the suburban areas that are actually where kind of these ethnic ghettos often exist, which is kind of the opposite of the uh, American situation. And so, when things like uh, you know, when when uh, oil prices go up, when when uh, gas prices go up, or uh, when public transit long long trains go down, it's those populations that end up uh, you know often not having the ability to go to work. Those kind of things. So obviously, like there, yeah, you're you're going to have kind of a, a certain level of uh, of uh, disproportionate economic impact. But if you're constantly uh, kind of telling people. That they have this right to take over, that there's this there's this uh, right of revenge uh, for for colonization and, and history. Then any time there's any of this, you know, even the smallest thing, like like uh, you know, obviously you know, kid getting shot is no small thing here. Uh, but you know, even even uh, the uh, any basic interaction is always charged with that history, is always charged with that conflict, and it seems to constantly be pushed down on purpose. Uh, by many people in power.
1: Yes, especially because when you, when you play around with that game and you're, it's no longer about um, African-Americans, um, but, but actually, uh, say, it, it, Arabs, the, you're really playing with fire because they've they've got. Um, I know we're on YouTube, but essentially there is there is an Islamic interpretation, there is an Islamic culture, and they have they are they've got a lot of agency, they've got a lot of money behind them in a lot of cases, um, and they're 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 organised, and they have their own view, and so they then see this kind of mad progressive guilt trip as as just. As just the, the the chickens opening up their own coop, because they they are going to feel aggrieved, of course, about something like the French occupation of Algeria, but will on their own terms and according to their own. Um, culture and their own, uh, their own sort of folk memory and cultural memory, which is something completely separate from what Western liberal progressives think. So in this case, the Western liberal progressives genuinely are like useful idiots for another force. I th- I, this is much more acute. When you're dealing with countries such as France or, or Spain, who are just across the Mediterranean from all of these places in North Africa, which which all ha- which have all got these sort of thriving Islamic cultures and populations, because what you're doing is 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 they're they're, they're sort of on the front lines, um, in in a different way, they're rubbing up another against another civilization entirely. Rob, but if you're talking about uh, crime in Chicago or something, it's a little bit different because it's completely contained. It, it's completely sort of in the, the, the very heartlands of Western hegemony. But if you're going to play with that game when you're on, a, on a, a, a nation, which is, which literally has another civilization just across the water, you're really playing with fire. It's a really dangerous situation to get in because they're observing all of this and taking notes.
0: Yeah, and, and that's really, I think, what this says so much about the failure of the liberal project, right? This was supposed to be the end of history. Uh, we were supposed to be able to homogenize all these cultures. We were supposed to remove all of these differences. Uh, you know, uh, you didn't need to have this kind of conflict anymore. Liberal democracy was uh, the, the dominant uh, political force. That question had been solved. And so the only thing that would come next is the the economic prosperity in these things but what we're seeing is when if we acknowledge that the clash of civilizations isn't over and that actually people will just move into your civilization and specifically uh, you know choose not to assimilate just so they can take uh, advantage of their uh, of the economic benefits that you now provide but in no way choose to you know to to assimilate then the liberal project is kind of over right like there there is no more pretending that this can be done and i think you have a, a very difficult time with people just kind of admitting that truth, even though, again, the population in many ways that has moved into France will tell you specifically that they have no interest in doing this. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, funny enough, uh, they're fighting back against some of the woke stuff in France, right? Like they, they don't they don't approve of LGBTQ, you know, plus uh, lifestyles. You know, they don't want this stuff. They, they don't they don't like feminism yeah you know, they don't like many of these things that are i guess for better or for worse now part of french culture uh but but it's the islamic population that they have no interest in assimilating to this and they're going to continue to to provide that tension no matter what and by pretending that at some point you're going to find a way to just uh have them adopt the kind of the french ethos the the french uh uh, morality, the the French ideal around these things, that's just clearly not happening, and it feels like there's just no there's no solution for France because they've cons- committed themselves down a path that makes them just kind of completely blind themselves to this reality. But they're also not going to kind of just stop this influx and in the and and the, this uh, failed assimilation.
1: Yeah, I mean the, the yeah, that where all of this came together in France was when France banned the the headscarf and the burger. And I remember um when when that happened because you had so people in The Guardian, you know, people from London and Chelsea or probably from uh, where wherever New York or whatever, and they were all outraged by this because they they saw that as France. Uh, lurching to the far right and and sort of abusing a minority population. And the res- the response from the French was like, it's really not. like we're really trying to uphold secular liberal values here in the face of a religious civilization which is now moving into our, our borders. and 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 the 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 sort of the the liberal response to that, was to was to a feminist argument. They they were saying that um, it's it's bullying women. You don't have the right to tell women how. Like the French state doesn't have the right to tell women what to wear. And and if anything, the liberal argument could have at least been, "Well, we are saving them from the, the Islamic patriarchy." But all of these narratives just kind of. It it, it it was as if they were using the wrong weapon for the wrong situation, the the wrong war. It just didn't it just didn't make any sense whatsoever. But the upshot of it was was that the the kind of the Western liberal progressive that you'll find in in London or New York was busy like stabbing in the back an actual liberal regime, standing up for liberal secular values and and siding with the 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 other. Um, because they just didn't understand what well, what was going on or because they're just purely nihilist and um they, you know they they just want to watch it all burn but at any case when the, the when those men in france are firing uh, AK47s and rocket launchers and they're screaming alwa Akbar, they're not doing it in the name of of like fukuyama and social justice values they're not doing it in the name of um BLM or, or the rainbow flag like they're doing it on their own terms they've got their own ideas and their own agency.
0: Now you recently did a video uh, talking about kind of a juvenile power analysis and of course I'm, I'm a big fan of Bertrand de Juvenal I think On Power is one of the most important books if you want to understand how political power works. And you brought up the point that you know ju- uh, juvenile the uh, juvenile brings up uh, repeatedly, which is that power needs to find people in the periphery to dislodge the middle. This is the the classic high and low versus middle conflict. Uh, if you're if you're a sovereign who's trying to secure power, you need to collapse competing spheres of authority, which means displacing uh, those who had been in power previously, and the best way to do that is kind of with a new underclass a new population we see this all the way roman emperors do this all kinds of people do this they, they want to get rid of the middle aristocracy they want to get a, a, a rid of the established powers that are kind of holding back their centralized uh you know kind of top authority and so what do they do they bring in uh, they, they they offer rights to they offer benefits to another population a newer population that doesn't have roots in the area uh, and that allows them to kind of displace uh, the already entrenched interests that were kind of holding back their centralized power. So we can see how this works. I mean, the, the Democrats in America just say this directly. like, hey, we're just going to leave the borders open and eventually these people are just going to there's going to be too many of them and they're going to vote you out like you know, the Republicans will just never win another election because we'll have, we'll have transform the country and there's nothing you can do about it we understand how how democracy works if we don't like our current uh, voting base we, we just bring in a new one uh, and that'll allow us to kind of centralize power by getting rid of all those middle americans um you know or, or making sure that they lose political power uh, interestingly here in france though it seems like we might be in a situation where if that was in some way part of the plan power might have overplayed its hand because they can't control in many ways, uh, the, uh, pop- that population, that population isn't interested in assimilating at all, and so they've created a situation where kind of that uh, that uh, brought in underclass, that brought in immigrant class, uh, actually just has is more interested in displacing the top of the power than it is necessarily in in being used. But I don't know. What do you think there?
1: yeah I I think I think there's certainly elements of that but what they've actually found is that their client group is because of the the sort of the the strong connection straight back to North Africa um and, and the the with Islam they've actually discovered that their client group is a, a is a rival castle uh and and, and th- this is this becomes the problem of okay so how do we actually deal with this problem where we thought it would maybe be this we could create a a situation maybe like in america where the progressives take take over the cause of, of uh black black rights and um equality in legislation and civil rights but what they've actually realised is that what they've un, what they've what they've ushered in is is like a rival castle, and this is what they're struggling to contain and deal with. Um, and and I mean, a lot of people are talking about the response to the riots, and I've got a little bit of sympathy for them because when you're talking about 10 to 15% of your population it's it's all very well to go on twitter and uh, give a lot of hot takes about well just send in the army and crack them down but when you're talking about m- the majority population in your major cities that's that's going to be that's going to end up being a bloodbath now you, you like I, I, there's no happy outcomes to that on the other hand, the, the, the counter to that would be, well, what are you going to do? Have this have this situation where they can just set up, set the, the prime real estate in your urban capitals, uh, your urban centers can just be torched whenever they, they feel aggrieved. Uh, yeah, this is the tightrope that they're walking. This is the mess that they've got themselves in. Um, and and uh, I, I don't really know how they can get out of it because even if you got somebody like... Um, the national front, in then, there they will be more likely to use force, but then that opens up all other kinds of problems. As when you look at the, just the scale of the populations involved,
0: yeah, and I guess uh, the French elites wouldn't be the first, uh, the first uh, uh, nation leaders to uh, you know, bring in a, a new population and then find themselves actually, uh, you know, the lost that deal right so again same thing kind of happened uh with the romans uh we'll we'll just bring in this one group to fight this other group and, and kind of shore up our our borders and actually now that that group runs the show uh so they, they wouldn't be the first elite class to, to kind of have uh to lose this hubris i guess my point is for a lot of people who might be watching here just remember that none of this is new right these power dynamics have existed it, it you know uh, the, the the notes might be different in France, but the song is is the same uh, that uh, you know power works this way uh, that throughout many thousands and thousands of years of history uh, many elites have tried to create client classes and and uh, use them in this similar way and found out that they couldn't you know they couldn't control them or they they weren't going to get what they wanted out of them. Uh, so just you know re- remember that there there are uh, precedents for this kind of stuff and this is not particularly unique.
1: I mean, it's interesting when you look at the wider context of the European Union, because France is a country which, again, it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning, where um, the European Union, if the French had their way, that would have itself become a rival castle to what they would see as um, the Anglo-American alliance. And there's a whole history behind that. The way um, originally the French just didn't want the, the the UK in the European Union whatsoever. And a lot of them were probably quite happy when we left, or officially officially we left anyway a few years ago, because they saw that as being American influence creeping into the European Union by the back door. Which, which, which I think they were right about as well. And so the idea would be where the French, using the Germans, the, the sort of the, the cooked Germans as a kind of golem, would, would be ro- lauded over all of Europe via the European Union itself. And part and parcel of that was bullying um, and harassing countries to the east that they they were too conservative, they weren't taking in their fair share because of the complicated way that the refugees get dispersed around the European Union, and obviously Hungary being a famous example. But what came out this week was quite amusing because Poland had actually um, some policy in place where there was going to be hundreds of thousands of visas given out to people in the third world. Um, and there was a backlash, and, and then they just cancelled. After what happened in France, uh, as the French cities were burning, they just cancelled it. So that won't be going ahead anymore. And 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 it's it's kind of like a ridiculous situation where somebody like Poland or Hungary gets lectured to by France on the need to become multicultural, on the need to open up the borders, and then they are sitting. I mean, there was things going around the the Polish, the actual. Polish uh home office I think it was released like a little video on social media where you saw France with all of the buildings on fire it was just like a war zone and then you saw like Warsaw and it was just these happy couples shopping and uh it was a nice sunny day and they had, they had like Chopin playing and everything and, and but and it is a problem though because what what exactly is the pitch here like if if you're, if your capital city uh, if your major city centers are burning to the ground and you've got 40,000 soldiers uh, what exactly is like what, what is the argument that everybody else should replicate that somehow um, and and it's, 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 it becomes quite farcical. It becomes the exact opposite of for whatever reason, however you got there, for whatever the reason was why uh, this triggered or how they organize it or whatever, you've got countries to the east who are just going to think we we just don't want that. We don't want to deal with all of those issues all of the issues about uh, well colonization or what what did the what is the policy of cops stopping 17 year old algerian kids in cars and all of this all of this stuff some of these countries just don't have to deal with and yet they're constantly even sanctioned in the case of hungary sanctioned because they they oppose all this and I just I find it to be quite ridiculous to be honest
0: Yeah, you can really see some of them saying, hey, we don't have to live like this. This is, you know, but but yeah, it it is it is amazing that I know I know that despite all of this, you know, all the pictures of France, all the all the footage, all of the things. As soon as this fades from memory in a week or two, we're going to have people making the exact same arguments over again. It's it's, this isn't going to get, you know, tap the brakes for a minute. It's still going to be that the solution to every social ill is mass mass immigration. That simultaneously, it's the only thing that will solve things like birth rate prob- problems or labor shortages. But it also is, uh, you know, something that you morally have to do because uh, all of your ancestors were evil, and you know, you you owe it to the to the world because everybody is, is actually just a war refugee somewhere. The the fact that we keep seeing this kind of conflict, like you're saying, that these people in in many countries who are trying to make decisions about this. We'll we'll say uh maybe maybe I don't want to be in this situation but uh, again the pressure won't doesn't seem to relent uh, it seems to be that uh, over and over again the same arguments are made and and without any hes- hesitation you just pretend like that this cost doesn't exist like uh, it doesn't keep showing itself over and over again uh, yeah I mean
1: it, it's interesting because a lot of the people um in the British scene were sort of saying. You're okay, like things are bad here, but why why does this not happen? Because it doesn't. It happened. We did have some huge riots Um for a similar reason. The cops shot some uh, drug dealer about ten years ago, and there was there was the sort of a summer of Floyd moment. But it, again, it wasn't. It didn't have the backing of all of these institutions, like in America. It, it sort of. Caught the British establishment off guard, and it was after that that we began to see the appearance of the nudge departments and the mind bending PR stuff. Um, and, and to be honest, when if if it's the the reason why it does this we don't see this kind of thing happening in Britain, is it's not a win. It's actually worse, and I think it's because the police have been trained to be so soft in those situations that the tinderbox is never gonna be lighted up. So so the, the French are actually trying to uphold a, a more or less liberal society where there's law, everybody is the same under the law. And if you do this, uh, regardless of your background, or all of this we're, we're gonna we're gonna have to react we're, we're not gonna i mean if one of the things the french police do is also just beat people up on the streets but they will they they'll beat up these right as but if you have a look at the yellow vest protests if you have a look at the anti-vax uh the covert stuff they were also beating up all of the the, the white native french people as well so that's that's they are like egalitarian they'll just beat everybody up but, um in in britain it would be much more specific uh, they they are to, they have been told that if you pull this uh, this person uh, well okay you know it, no, the the guardian isn't going to cry but if it's this other group then do just be very very careful there's all of these policies there's all of these laws and so when you don't have that, so 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 in a way the Britain doesn't get riots or chaos like this because we're even more cooked, because the, 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 the situation just wouldn't be allowed to get that far in the first place because the police have been told essentially to just give up, give in, just just give just be treat them with kid gloves.
0: Yeah, it's so weird here in America because we have something kind of similar happening. Uh, you know, it's it's different because our states are governed differently. There, there's more local control here. And so things can have a high degree of variance. But in, in a lot of areas throughout the United States, police are specifically being told, we just don't police that neighborhood. We just don't. We don't go there. Uh, we don't do this. Uh, we don't apply the law to these people. Um, so, uh, you know, because you're, you're just going to lose your career if you're caught in a, in, in a, you know, bad moment on a, on a cell phone or something. So we, we just don't respond to that call now. We just pretend it didn't, didn't happen. And of course we're seeing, uh, crime skyrocket in a, in a lot of those areas. And again, as always, you know, unfortunately many of the, 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 uh, biggest victims are those who live in those areas and now have no police at all. Now basically have no law enforcement because any attempt to enforce the law will just end the careers or create a riot. And so now there's just a a huge spike in crime in specifically and concentrated in those neighborhoods because they're unpoliced. But simultaneously we have this situation where there's an explicit almost kind of racial law about like who gets prosecuted, especially places like New York at the Daniel Penny situation where he's on the subway and he tries to defend people on the subway and he faces serious charges. Uh, Another guy who who happened to be, you know, black, defends himself on the subway uh, in a similar situation actually had had a a believable legal knife on him at the time. And he just walks because, well, I mean, everyone knows why. Right. And so we're we're in this situation where simultaneously our cops are being told, be be softer, uh, you know, don't don't engage in certain communities, in certain interactions, respond to certain calls. Because uh, they they could just spark this stuff. And then we're seeing an explosion in violence in those communities uh, that sometimes spills out into others. Uh, But then also we see, you know, in in forces, in situations where people are interacting, uh, there's just some DAs that have a a clear racial bias and will just punish people simply due to their skin color because they attempted to defend themselves.
1: Yeah, and and you can see if if we give the 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 French the benefit of the doubt, that even when they haven't actually brought in all of these politically correct policies and, and embedded it within the police, you can see that it still isn't really a solution. So so I saw that was this. I don't is he like a, a liberal commentator, Michael Tracy. And he was he was making this point that essentially um, everybody is equal under the law in France, and and he he was kind of defending the makeup the the constitutional makeup of France. And I thought, but yeah, but that, that that's also the the whole problem is that like if the best that you if the when you if let's just get to say for example that the French are all fair that it is they are trying to uphold their their liberal democracy i mean you know it says a lot that they're on their fifth republic and apparently a a majority of the people want to move on to number six quite quickly because it's not working but nevertheless even if we give them the benefit of the doubt that they're trying to do this or with the minimum of political correctness it's it's and just where you everybody is equal everybody has it's egalitarianism it's all of us it still doesn't work because people just aren't the same you, you, can, you can give everybody a stamp or a passport to say, well, you are all French citizens so it's because you'll see that they, there's people coming out on social media and saying, well, uh, the, the, the far right are going the to town on this, but like 90% of the, the people arrested were French because well okay but that's that's what you mean is that they've got French citizenship. but the whole problem that started this off is the fact that that we have these divisions so 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 what that means is that, The way you're looking at this doesn't work because it doesn't accurately describe the situation. And calling the people who are drawing, like pointing out that there are these divisions here, uh, calling them like sort of trolls or the fascists or whatever it is, that doesn't really solve the problem. France is still in flames at the end of the day. And it's in flames precisely because having a stamp, having a piece of paper isn't enough. It isn't enough to have a bunch of man made laws um, imposed on a population and expect the population to just sort of, as if that's going to produce the population. We've got these, uh, this, these constitutional rights, we've got this, these laws in place, and everybody is treated the same under the law, but your country still burns because it doesn't accurately, it isn't an accurate description of how human beings actually are.
0: Yeah. Pe- peoples make constitutions. Constitutions don't make peoples. Um, and uh, yes, I think,
1: exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. I think that's a, a lesson that everyone's getting to learn Um, in, in real time. All right. So we've got some questions stacking up over here. Uh, before we go to the questions of the people, is there anything that we didn't get to that you wanted to talk about? And where can people find your work?
1: Morgoth's um, review on Substack and on YouTube. I mean, the only, the only thing to sort of hammer the point home on a lot of this was that just in Britain a few weeks ago, we we also had a, an African migrant um, murdered a couple of a couple of students, uh, a male and a female, on the street, and and then the, the there was a bit of a thing about. The parents come out and they have to give this statement. But when they they give the statement, it's always along the lines of "Don't look back in anger," "Don't give in to hate," "Don't don't don't sort of wrap a political narrative around this." Whereas when you saw, I think it was the grandmother of of the 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 kid who died in France, it was all hellfire and retribution and bloody revolution and, and all. I won't rest until this is all overturned. And it was just the complete opposite um and and that 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 says it all about about this stuff when it happens like like there was no there was no cities burning i know it's an easy kind of cliched point by now but just to say like well, when when those babies got stabbed um there was not all of this riot and and here again you see the difference in populations just in that just in these just in the reactions it tells you that one part of the population is completely oppressed and the other isn't
0: yeah i'll i'll never forget there was a a kid in america uh cannon Hennant, it's like a 5 year old and he got uh, shot in the face um by a uh, black guy and uh and uh immediately his the, like they interviewed his mother and uh the the someone had decided to yell out that he had been a racist and like he had said something racist and that's why he got shot as if that would have been some kind of justification and the yeah. uh the mother's first response was uh w- the first mother's first response was not like my child got killed this is horrific it was my child wasn't a racist that was the most important thing to reiterate N- not the horrific act that had happened but that your child was not a racist i
1: remember i remember your video on that i remember you were incensed by that yeah Yeah,
0: that one—that one got me. All right, so let's go ahead and switch over to our questions here, real quick. Uh, I do not know—I have no hope of pronouncing that correctly, so I won't even try. But thank you very much for your donation there. Uh, North uh, FC riots win. Uh, It's it's
1: it's directed at me. There's a meme that goes around in Britain where from because I'm from the north. Uh, and, and they pronounce it North, and there's like a big kind of gammon type geezer uh, with a football. It's like it's supposed to be like this meme football club in the North, North FC riots. When probably not anytime soon because the, the nudge units will tell people just to wave candles or whatever. <laughs> like that.
0: All right, uh, Narco Republican for five dollars. The book, The True Aspects of the Algerian Rebellion, 1957. Documents the terrible atrocities Algerians committed during the war. It's very dark. Uh, yeah, I got to be honest, narco Republican. I'm just not super familiar familiar with that section of history. Uh, so um, I would be interested to learn more. That's good to know that that's a good source. But uh, I can't say that I can speak with a lot of authority on that particular aspect of, of history there.
1: No, Let's me see. neither.
0: Yeah. Uh, Sergeant Hodel for $20. Thank you very much. Uh, when I started reading Morgoth Substack not too long ago, I got a feeling reminiscent of playing Grand Theft Auto 3 for the first time as a youngster. Funny how DR content is an affront to boomerism similar to GTA in the 2000s. Um, an interesting analogy, to be sure, uh, but I'm sure that uh, you, you mean that uh, the, the high quality of uh, GTA 3 much must match uh, Morgoth Substack there.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't understand the reference. I know it's a video game, but I don't. Uh, I'm too old. I'm too old for <laughs> to get all that reference.
0: Uh, we're, we're, we may be too boomer for the boomer joke at this point. Yeah, no, we we may be the joke at this point. I'm not sure, but yeah, no, I've, I, I've, I've, I played I Grand Theft Auto Three a little bit. I remember that, but it's been a long yeah. Time. I saw my
1: brother playing it, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I spent the day cutting. I spent the day harvesting
0: cabbage leaves. That's how much of it. <laughs> that's my day. Like Cincinnatus before you. Uh all right, uh let's see. Melon here for two dollars. Oh, what really happened to Notre Dame? Yeah, of course, uh that is a huge aspect as well. a uh, number of churches and historical uh you know uh areas have burned in France. Many people suspect, um, very likely, uh, that there are religious um uh reasons for that. Uh, but obviously it's uh in the interest of attempting to keep, I guess, some level of Civil uh, unrest down, uh, but they don't investigate those things, and so we don't really hear about what actually happened to those very often. Yeah, I'd agree.
1: Again, like with the Bataclan massacre, thanks in the chat for pointing that out. That even a place like France, the the they, they've got their own deep state, and it's got lots of secrets for 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 the greater good uh, of the of the society they've created.
0: Yep, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, we're gonna go ahead and wrap that up. That looks like we got to all of our questions. I want to thank everybody for coming by. And of course, thank Morgoth once again. Always a fantastic time talking with him. Uh, of course, if this is your first time by the channel, guys, please make sure that you go ahead and subscribe. And if you'd like to get these broadcasts as podcasts, make sure that you go ahead and subscribe to the Orim McIntyre show on your favorite podcast platform. When you do that, make sure that you go ahead and give the show a rating or review. All right, guys, thanks for watching. And as always, we'll talk to you next time.